Hi, I'm Satyajit. Hi, I'm Racheeta. Welcome to Paperback by the Open Library Project. We have as our guest today Shweta Raina, CEO of Dalarang, deep diving into HBR's 10 best reads on managing yourself for the first half of the podcast. In the second half, we also discuss Founder's Dilemma by Noam Wasserman, Crazy as a Compliment by Linda Rottenberg, Different by Youngmi Moon, and The Free Thinker's Prayer Book by Kushwan Singh. Our conversation with her reflects on how a founder of a company can drive the organization positively or negatively, how Talarang has imbibed feedback analysis in their work culture, how co-founders should divide their roles and duties but work towards a common goal, how to take initial risks and how crazy is a compliment. So let's dive in. What most influences your company's bottom line performance? The answer will surprise you and make perfect sense. It's a leader's own mood. Executives' emotional intelligence, their self-awareness, empathy, rapport with others has clear links to their own performance. But new research shows that a leader's emotional style also drives everyone else's moods and behaviors through a neurological process called mood contagion. It's akin to smile and the whole world smiles with you. Emotional intelligence travels through an organization like electricity over telephone wires. Depressed, ruthless bosses create toxic organizations filled with negative underachievers. If you're upbeat and inspirational, you cultivate positive employees who embrace and surmount even the toughest challenges. Emotional leadership isn't just putting on a game face every day. It means understanding your impact on others then adjusting your style accordingly. a difficult process of self discovery but essential before you can tackle your leadership responsibilities strengthening your emotional leadership since few people have the guts to tell you the truth about your emotional impact you must discover it on your own the following process can help it's based on brain science as well as years of field research with executives use these steps to rewire your brain for greater emotional intelligence who do you want to be imagine yourself as a highly effective leader what do you see Who are you now? To see your leadership style as others do, gather 360 degree feedback, especially from peers and subordinates. Identify your weaknesses and strengths. How do you get from here to there? Devise a plan for closing the gap between who you are and who you want to be. How do you make change stick? Repeatedly rehearse new behaviors, physically and mentally, until they are automatic. Who can help you? Don't try to build your emotional skills alone. Identify others who can help you navigate this difficult process. Thank you Shweta Rena. That was an excerpt from the book Managing Yourself, HBR's 10 must reads, a collection of articles over the last 30 years. It includes articles by academics such as Clayton Christensen, Daniel Goldman, Michael Porter and Peter Drucker. Welcome to Paperback by the Open Library Project. I am your co-host Satyajit, otherwise known as Onion Knight in most food circles. I am hosting this podcast with my co-founder at the Open Library Project, Racheeta Sharma. Hi guys, my name is Racheeta and I'm an ex-banker who has left my banking profession to follow my passion and run libraries across the world. 
The Open Library Project is a non-fiction book library service offered to businesses on a subscription basis. We're trying to move away from the run-of-the-mill library concept and setting up rotational and locational curated libraries at co-working spaces, corporates and business incubators. The idea here is to create value, build a knowledge community and encourage a growth mindset amongst our members. Today we have on the show with us Shweta Rena, founder of Tellerang. Tellerang has impacted over 2 million students in the past 3 years through partnerships with colleges, corporates, the media and the United Nations Development Program. Shweta is a graduate of Harvard Business School where she graduated with honors and the Horace Goldsmith Fellowship for Social Enterprise. Her pilots were funded by a grant by Harvard's Social Enterprise Initiative. Shweta has been recognized as India Inc's Rising Women Leaders by the Economic Times and Women of Courage by India Today. She has been a speaker at TEDx, the Harvard India Conference, UN Young Changemakers, and the Women Economic Forum, and writes a weekly national column on student issues. Welcome to the show, Shweta. Wow, those are some incredible achievements. Yeah. That Thank was you. A, a lot of a long list of credentials. <laughs> Great. We're so happy to have you on the show, and uh, that was an absolutely inspiring excerpt. And uh, I'd love to ask you a lot of questions about it. Uh, we'll definitely like to start with the HPR 10 Best Reads. That's on managing yourself. So uh, this book talks a lot about you know how we uh, have to largely evolve and change in our business and change course during our business. And you have to find your strengths and sort of you know uh, mold yourself to the direction which will provide the greatest contribution from you to the society. So, uh, what is the most striking feature or the most you know striking insight that you've got from this book? So, the biggest insight for me is that as a leader, if I cannot take care of myself and I cannot manage myself, then I cannot lead other people well. Right. And nobody actually told me to buy this book. I picked it up at an airport and I read it and it gave me a new lease of life and I as you can see I have put so many post-its on this book because yeah. I keep going back to it and it's like a bible for me. So I would say the article that I specifically read an excerpt from right the concept of mood contagion is something that we know socially. We don't right. want to hang out with someone who is always negative right. and who's right. irritating. Right. But from a work perspective, you think that the autocratic bosses actually get the most work, work done, right? right? Yeah. And I always doubted my own leadership style because I love having fun in the office. Right. Um so that article actually reinforced for me that having a positive environment leads to real business results. And for me that was the biggest insight that working towards positivity and working towards a good a feel good team right. and a feel good office yeah. actually can lead to commercial success as well so that was something that to me was a great insight and it's really helped me shape the culture of my organization that's so true because productivity comes from you know being comfortable in your uh, in work environment especially and with your boss rather than fear so fear can definitely get work done sometimes with certain employees it really does work but uh, yeah even i believe that uh, it should be a comfortable environment where they can also think out of the box if they have a certain idea they should be you know um, fearless to come in exchange that idea with you exactly so. and there's another point another article here that i didn't read from which is called manage your energy not your time right that was also something that 
is really stuck with me because so it do talks, you want to share something uh, related to that yeah topic? i mean if i had time i would read out the entire <laughs> book to you <laughs> but uh, there's a few sections in this story on managing your energy not your time that talks about the different types of energy that a leader brings to the table okay. right. so there's okay. physical energy mm-hmm. how right. can you manage your physical energy then there's your emotional energy which we talked about in depth yeah. uh, there's mental energy mm-hmm. and then there's spiritual energy okay and so being a spiritual person doesn't mean necessarily being religious right right, right. being spiritual could mean uh, allocating for example your time and energy to relaxing during your evening commute or right. connecting with your family so the right. way that they define spirituality is right. more about finding some sort of zen moment yeah. where you can actually switch off and just be one with like the world yeah, yeah just yeah, like yeah. you know that moment when nothing else matters right, right? it's your so, time to contemplate yeah yeah, think yeah. About so your own decision making yeah and oftentimes we feel guilty when we do that right. yeah. as entrepreneurs because yeah. we feel that we need to be constantly switched on and yeah. how dare you spend 30 minutes just listening to music <laughs> right but again this article made me feel really happy because yeah. it reminds me that it's okay to you know have your spiritual energy time have your mental energy time emotional energy and then of course uh, working out contributes to your physical energy yeah. right yeah. so that's how i try to manage my day So in, so in fact uh, I'd like to add that since you mentioned music we also had Apurva Damani on our podcast and she's been related to Talarang so she was telling us that you know how even she uh, wants to inculcate one extracurricular activity uh, in office for her employees so yeah i guess that's the route <laughs> to success that you know you sort yeah. of encourage them to be all-rounders rather than just focusing on work yeah so Prachita also has uh, at the open library itself she is going to introduce an initiative where we give one day off just to for mental health just okay. yeah. we you know, decided you, you to, to give everybody one day off in the month as a mental health day and you get so, to choose it yeah, whenever you you're feeling down low or whatever you can just take it i think off. it's important yeah no yeah. i think it's very important that you feel rejuvenated and fresh and yeah. and how that contributes again i mean all these articles because they're part of hbr they're part of how to create success in your business right. Right? right and so it actually makes you think that it's a practical approach and not some spiritual guru guiding you into a totally different direction right, right. it's actually right. a management guru guiding you yeah so it's it's very inspiring to see that even management leaders are pointing us towards having a balanced uh, existence and right. creating an environment which is normal yeah. right yeah. as opposed to a crazy leader who yeah. just works all the time and doesn't have a life or a relationship with you with know the, with, with themselves the and, right. and themselves and, yeah. Yeah. yeah what you did what you said earlier when you read the first excerpt was that uh, you know it takes guts to acknowledge what uh, your what your flaws are what yeah. your strengths are so i think a lot of times when we get into entrepreneurship we don't realize what is the responsibility of a boss or you know most of us are first time entrepreneurs so when you do it for the first time it's it's a whole new territory right it's, yeah. it's i mean you're moving from maybe a schooling life then to a work work life where you've always been told these are the metrics you have to perform to exactly. and then now suddenly you're the person in charge right you're yeah. in, you have to drive yourself so i find that uh, second excerpt that you read was really on point here i mean uh, yeah. we we faced it in our own journey so far where we are driving ourselves and there's no other motivator and correct in that sometimes we get lost <laughs> in, in, without it, that's why people overwork themselves right they're yeah. not able to disconnect 
Yeah. yeah. So this also uh, this um, since you mentioned the management gurus, and uh, Peter Drucker has mentioned the feedback analysis, where you sort of over a period of time mm-hmm. write down. Your uh, strengths and weaknesses, and you see, you know, how you're progressing in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you also apply this sort of an analysis at Talerang? Or definitely. Yeah. So, we have three types of feedback at Talerang. So, okay. we have uh, weekly feedback, which is on our tasks. Uh, then we have monthly feedback, which is on our roles, and then we have uh, biannual feedback, which is on our overall performance, and that leads to promotions. And wow. so, so uh, you've really, really uh, like imbibed this book into, <laughs> into your, your corporate yeah, culture. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and and one of the things about the feedback is that you write your own appraisal at Talerang. Okay. okay. How does so, that work? So you get a feedback form that you fill out for yourself. Okay. And you have to argue your case with your manager. Oh, and wow. then correct. So it's up to your manager to then decide whether they agree with you or not. Okay. okay. So there's a column with your rating for yourself, and you talk the entire time. Your manager doesn't talk. Okay. So it's just you saying, "I think I deserve a four and five on this project that because, I did because of yeah. these three reasons," Great. and you're just justifying yourself for an hour. And okay. at the end of it, the manager just smiles and says, "Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, really great to hear from you, and we'll get back to you." Okay. And of course, I mean, if there's a huge difference with them, then they might get into a debate. Yeah. But for the most part, people actually are quite self-aware, and if you give them that ownership and that space to think about it, and think about what they would, how they would like to yeah. evaluate themselves, it's a very pleasant appraisal process, and nobody yeah. ends up bitter. In unhappy. fact, then you realize your mistakes on your own. Yeah. Like you said, it's self-awareness. Then you realize, yeah, I'm doing this wrong. How much can I even argue or justify this? Exactly, and so it's three sixty. That's a great so approach. It, even the employees would give their managers feedback, or they would give me feedback as well. Okay. So okay. it's both ways. And so even I have to go and saying that okay, I think I should have done this better, or. Maybe I didn't do this so well, and they'll also just smile at me. So I also got get the memo <laughs> right, that okay, you right. know, they're agreeing that I messed up over here and I could have handled the situation differently. But mm. because I'm owning up to it, right, it's just more comfortable. Right, yeah, this is like uh, there's Ray Dalio's book right. Seven Principles, Principles, which we spoke about on yeah. another podcast, which also speaks about uh, transparency. Yeah, between uh, I mean, you have to be a really Evolved boss, I think, to be able to take uh, feed, critical feedback from your employees without, you know, letting it affect your opinion. No, so, but yeah. these days, for that, yeah. when Amazing. you're managing millennials, I think yes. you have to you just have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. it with a pinch of salt. Absolutely. <laughs> so another article that uh, is mentioned in this uh, in this book is "Where's the Monkey?" and I think that's one thing when you make a shift from employee to employer. Is one of the biggest changes that you have to make because there's no one behind you or above you who can take responsibility for actions, right? Even if you're, uh, even if the mistake is by the employees, at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. as the leader of the company or as the CEO of the company, the responsibility lies with you to fix or address that mistake. Yeah. So I think that was, I think as just as a startup, like you mentioned, a bible to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this book would be a great read. For anyone who's just starting off in their uh, in their yeah. journey as a boss, or what what do you think? Yeah. So on this monkey point, um, 
one of my HPS professors has actually written a book called Trust. Okay. And it actually leads off from this article, which talks about how if you have trust, then this monkey problem doesn't even begin in the first place. Okay. Because it starts with people wanting to put the monkey on someone else's back and not take responsibility and ownership. And that comes from not having trust in the fact that somebody else will support you to actually get your work done. And so you keep trying to defend yourself and saying that, no, 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 it's not on my shoulders. It's on someone else's shoulders. Right. right? Or as a leader, you keep trying to not take on the monkey on your back or put the monkey on someone else's back. And yeah. when I was at McKinsey, we actually had a cartoon with okay. uh, the entire team and three, four monkeys just shifting around between okay. all of our <laughs> backs because there were certain elements of the project that just no one wanted to do. And everyone had read uh, this article as well. So everyone knew how to game the system. Um, but I think if you have trust, then, you know, you don't even have to bother Deal with, with that this problem. Yeah, yeah because it's just open and people are just honest as to where they stand on the project how much time it's going to take them and if they need more resources right um, yeah. so yeah so I mean on that note another book that's on my bucket list is Trust by Tarun Khanna it's, it's something that I think is really required in the Indian ecosystem and okay. if you like this whole concept of monkey on your back and mm-hmm. how to deal with it then that's a good follow up read definitely going yeah. to read that in fact it was uh, given to us by your mother when oh, we, okay. uh, Anjali Rena who we happened to visit at the okay. HBR office so I have it in my bag right now <laughs> <laughs> on that note we are going to take a break we'll be right back after this Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another awesome week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please make sure that you do. We're IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We had a Christmas party in the office last week, and you can see pictures of that on our Instagram this week. So please do make sure that you do check it out. On The Seen and the Unseen, Amit has world-famous author and psychologist Steven Pinker as his guest. Yes, that's right, Steven Pinker. They discuss the state of the world today and how it compares to previous generations. On Geek Fruit, Tejas and Dinkar review Aquaman and tell you their top three scenes from the DC Universe. That's going to be fun. This week on The Habit Coach, Ashton talks about how listening to podcasts helps you grapple with interesting ideas and thought processes. On Crocktails, Anna narrates the story of Srikanth who falls in love with triplet sisters. Don't miss out on the climax, there's an interesting plot twist at the end. On Vartha Lab, Naveen and Akash talk to the creators of Card Game, Cards Against Sanskar, Adrita Das and Karan Vora. This week on the Pragati Podcast, Pawan discusses how India is increasing access to finance and microfinance for all its citizens. This week on Football Twaddle, the boys discuss the Mourinho sacking and the return of old gunner Solskjaer. And guys, it's been a great 2018 and we hope you enjoyed your journey with IVM. We're looking forward to bigger and better things in 2019. Please do tell a friend about the podcast that you've enjoyed. Try and spread the word. That's very important for us. And uh, with that, let's continue on with your show. Welcome back, guys. We still have with us... Shweta Raina from Talarang. The next book that uh, you've recommended to all our listeners is The Founder's Dilemma by Noam Wasserman. And um, it talks about a lot of the issues which mostly every budding entrepreneur, including myself, is facing at work. Where, uh, you know, whether it's about knowing your capital requirements, whether it's human capital or, you know, financial capital or, you know, whether it is about um, delegating, you know, handholding and delegating. These are mm-hmm. issues which usually everybody as an entrepreneur in the start face these problems. So what is the mm-hmm. advice that you would give people uh, to read this book or what is the advice you'll give them of why they should read this book? 
Okay, so Noam was actually my professor. Okay, and wow. And so I took his class, which was also called Founder's Dilemma. And then oh. this book was assigned reading for the course. Okay. And so I had the pleasure of reading cases with him and reading the book alongside. And okay. he brought the book alive in class. So one of the things that really stuck with me is this concept of rich versus king. Right. Okay. In which he brings out. So do you actually want to be extremely rich? in which case you might just own 1 or 2% of your company right. but that 1 or 2% might be worth a lot right or do you want to be king where you have maybe a smaller kingdom hmm. uh you own maybe 80% of your company okay but you're not that rich because that 80% cannot be as worth as much if right. you don't have investors you don't have other stakeholders right. and uh you know in i'm i'm talking about most cases yeah. of right. course yeah. there are those lucky people who are both rich right. and king but that's yeah. very rare yeah. and that to me was a very new insight because growing up in india we have a lot of business people who you know our family third generation fourth generation yeah. Yeah. Uh, family owners and that's not how most startups are structured right so we look at business owners and think oh wow you know they're kings and they're rich right but that's not how it's going to turn out so that yeah. was a very new insight for me and uh, something that noam brought about very clearly both in mm-hmm. his book and in the class so okay. with talerang i feel that i'm building it more to be king than rich right now as a social enterprise right. have more control and you know have more say that things are not um things are not just for profit things are being done for society and right. for the end user so since you uh, we, we were talking about this uh, it's very well mentioned in the book wealth is connected there to he says that there are two basically two types of entrepreneurs one is uh, wealth and one is control and wealth is king and <laughs> wealth is rich and control is king So don't you think running a social enterprise purpose maybe should be playing a part in this uh, in this mixture? So a lot of research actually shows that even for-profit social enterprises mm-hmm. should be focused on scale. Right. Because that's how if they have more profit they can actually create more, more impact. Yeah. That's right. true. Um and so while purpose is part of the overall mission mm-hmm. it's not part of really the founders goal. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? It's part of the organizational mission, but it's not part of the per- personal personal purpose of the founder. Founder. Okay. In okay. terms of how they want to run or structure the company. Right. Because the purpose should ideally be there irrespective. Right. Um but how he structures his company or she structures her company is dependent on how how much control he or she wants to have on the purpose on everything and i think the purpose may get affected of course if you have less control right so right. coming back to you know your question i think in this particular case people who want to have more purpose might mm-hmm. also choose for more control mm-hmm. uh which is why it's harder for non-profits and social enterprises to scale right. because they yeah. don't take a lot of outside, outside money investment. and right. uh, it becomes harder for them to return to shareholders right so right. yeah there's also a point on um, differentiate where they say that if you have a co-founder you have to ensure that you all are different you know by personality because if you are similar you tend to you know s- sort of get confused with your roles in Correct. the organization so uh is there any such situation you i yeah. believe so, must be having investors who you have to you know sort of 
work with their ideas so do you face this problem yeah so we don't have investors but my uh, basically when talrang started mm. we i started it with sinhali who is our curriculum head okay and sinhali is very different from me she okay. is much more focused on the content of what we what we teach and she's an expert whereas i'm a generalist right, right? Okay. so that really helps because she gets really deep into the case studies that we're teaching how we're teaching even the sh- shape of the room mm-hmm. and Wow. teaching methodologies to make sure the learning outcomes are high yeah. whereas i'm more generalist and i'm looking at everything every aspect of the business at a higher level i'm not going as deep as she is so we balance each other out really well because she okay. doesn't want to have a bird's eye view and i don't want to go into the detail okay. so i think it works out and he norm also talks about how you don't want to start a business with your husband or wife usually yeah. mm-hmm. um and there are a lot of case studies that we did on divorce as well yeah. which were detrimental <laughs> for us so he doesn't go into that much detail on the divorces in his book okay but we uh, it was really scary for me because i think again in india we have a lot of family run businesses yeah. a lot of yeah. brother sister right. like right. it's the easiest thing to just yeah. recruit your younger cousin right. or, you know yeah. <laughs> to yeah. do your work for you so it was just an eye opener for me that this whole concept of working with different people working with people who you don't know that well but who are the right experts for your business could actually be more useful for you and for the company than just getting your friends and family Somebody and who? pulling them in and you know assembling a, an army of your uh, you know relations yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely i think uh, if you are working with family it's important that you have a third person's perspective to it so that they can give you a sort of non biased view because sometimes with your own family members or you know close ones you can't you don't know how to tell them they're doing something <laughs> wrong or you know maybe you don't want to fire somebody because you know that they're, they're related to you but i guess if there's a third person's perspective that should solve the issue yeah well now my husband's a director in the company okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we have very different perspectives on how to run things okay wow well. but he was the only one who i could trust along with my father to actually sign off on the financials and right. you know be yeah. so somewhere, which is also a very important factor yeah, yeah. trust is yeah. <laughs> so i think somewhere you know while i did take that course uh a few years ago yeah. i think i am coming back to some of the ways of our culture and the realities of the situation now <laughs> yeah, fine yeah, like yeah. <laughs> we all have to deal with it right yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the realities yeah. of staying in this country and india yeah. itself is such a different market compared to yeah. anything that exists in the rest of the world so it's very <laughs> very challenging i would with, say yeah i mean considering our legal system doesn't really work can't sue anyone so it's yeah. easier to work with your husband yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz he'll be sued twice <laughs> they'll really think about it <laughs> so the next book we're moving on to is crazy is a compliment by linda rottenberg so me personally i've been called crazy so many times <laughs> in my professional career that i had to start thinking of it like a compliment for my own mental sanity <laughs> well with a name like onion night <laughs> what else would you expect right <laughs> i called for it like i got it on myself <laughs> so what stood out from this book for you So there's four types of entrepreneurs according to Linda and Linda also is someone who I worked with in New York so oh, wow. I actually you yeah you met all these amazing so, people that's I mean fantastic. that's why I read their books <laughs> I yeah. think okay. uh, so she talks about how there's diamonds so these are visionary dreamers leading disruptive ventures then there's stars who are charismatic individuals building personality brands there's transformers who are change makers re-energizing traditional industries and there's rocket ships who are analytical thinkers making strategic improvements so these are basically four types of entrepreneur personalities 
and how do you actually juggle or choose one of them and the challenges that come with each of those and okay. for me it's really finding a balance between them because i don't want to be any of any these of specifically these. Yeah. Right. um and she also talks about the challenges of being each of these right. right okay so for me as of now we seem to be more in the transformer mode okay you know trying to create a change in the recruitment in the, system yeah, and, and in the education system, system. education system but one of the challenges of that is will the mission have to be scuttled in order to take the initiative big will selling more require selling out and so yes. that is a question that i am currently grappling with right okay. because um as a if you want to create a transformation right you want to hold true to your original purpose right. but in yeah. order to scale that you know you need to you need to trade off sometimes yeah. with certain elements of yeah, that maybe exactly. not the whole purpose also yeah. exactly so yeah. i think her book is really functional okay and that's what i like about it and she is an entrepreneur someone who has scaled and devoured to lots of different countries all okay. over the world and actually understands entrepreneurship because her model is to invest in entrepreneurs and mentor entrepreneurs okay so while she is of course the author of this book in her day to day life she is doing that you know she's in, interacting with entrepreneurs as well okay and so it was easier for me to believe what she's written because i know right. that it's based on personal experience she, yeah, and she's not experiencing just, it she's yeah. going through writing herself the book and yeah. her exactly. are her experiences also listed in, yes. the, in the book itself yeah, yeah. okay there are some of her experiences listed and i think what what's uh, what's different about her style of writing is that it's more conversational okay okay so it's very it's a very easy read you know okay. so for someone who yeah. just has like a one or two hours in a flight uh-huh. this is a great book to pick up and you know just learn a lot about entrepreneurship okay. and also feel confident about being a little crazy yeah. um and then you can bucket yourself it's always fun to take those personality tests right where like oh am i a diamond am i a rocket ship so yeah. it's also like a fun read yeah. because at the end of it you have a clear takeaway as to what is your type and how can you adapt Yeah I just I love the fact that she mentioned that you know the biggest problem with entrepreneurs who are starting up is not finance and it's not hiring it's a psychological issue like yeah. it's your you know the fear of getting going and you know just getting out there that's what they fear more than raising capital or hiring people so i like how she's divided the book into like you know get going then go big and also balance your yeah. you know and go home work and yeah and also <laughs> yeah so she is married she's got kids so she's got a lot to balance along with endeavor yeah. which is now yeah. huge yeah. so a lot of it is i think from personal experience as well wow sounds fascinating uh the next book we are moving on to i think it's a uh, is in a similar category it's different by young me moon okay. i think one person's different maybe another person's crazy <laughs> <laughs> some are right? finding a common theme between all right? these books <laughs> right clearly so these are actually books the, for all you know budding entrepreneurs oh. i think this entire episode should be dedicated <laughs> to them yeah So again it talks about uh, self awareness and being comfortable with who you are no no to people are the same i think as as bosses we have to also learn to deal with so many different types of personalities what motivates different personalities and also be comfortable with being different than anyone else hmm. while the whole world's telling you to conform or this is how you should run your yeah. business you know that's not always the right way things that may work for someone else doesn't work for you all the time, like yeah. most of the time yeah. so what what stood out for you in this book so one of the things is that 
she talks about how you don't want to be a me too not the hashtag me too that right. is going on but like a me too comment or a me too product right uh, in the traditional business sense of the word and uh, that's something that is very interesting because we are always trying to conform and trying to be neutral and trying to minimize on our vulnerabilities right um and that doesn't always end up with us actually selling Right. right especially yeah. in most sectors which are quite crowded right. yeah so it requires a little bit of conviction um she so she also again teaches a course called different okay um, did you attend that yes, course yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that i really like about her is that she is able to create interesting insights from very simple concepts so okay. you know in hprs 10 must reads those are really difficult articles yeah. right and right. they require a lot of in depth whereas um, young me just simplifies everything in her book and she even has a few hand drawn bar graphs and charts oh, in the okay. book which is which just makes it feel like it's more of her scribblings and her notes right. rather than a very pedantic book okay. and so it's it's quite an easy read again uh, it's a fun read and i think it can actually help you to differentiate your business in a crowded market rather than getting intimidated by competition you can actually play to your strengths and yeah. you know win a larger segment maybe that you didn't even know was yours for the taking okay wow yeah. and i, I really like that she mentions that you know there should be a sustainable difference that you're creating so a lot of people you know because you want to be like how adam grant says you want to be original and you know yeah. you want to be different you want to create that competitive advantage a lot of times we want to create a difference which is not really there just to make the product stand out but mm-hmm. if it really needs to be sustainable in the long run which is a very interesting to- thought i think and i think that will happen if you just have a spike in a particular area yeah yeah uh, the way that we were graded in business school was you got a 1 2 or a 3 right. right if your comment was really different you got a 1 if your comment was average you got a 2 and 70% of people would get a 2 Okay. And you'd always think that your comment was different, but clearly it, it wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. different enough. enough. Yeah. You had to yeah. make a really contradictory or controversial comment right. to stand out in the crowd of eighty people who are all their voices are coming through. Right. Yeah. And so she also talks about that a little bit in her book, where she says that the way that she used to grade students has really influenced the way that she thinks about differentiation and so them think, as well. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. actually, this plays not just in your business, but even when you're in a room. You know, if you're at a talk or you're at a board meeting, yeah. What do you say? What is your contribution mm-hmm. to the conversation? Yeah. Is it something that people will remember? It's better to say one thing that's new and different rather than repeating what's already been said or agreeing with someone else. That makes you really stand out on that board meeting or in that discussion as a leader. Right. Very, Very interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Let's uh, move on to our last book, The Free Thinkers Prayer Book by Kushwan Singh. and uh, i've been meaning to read this book for the longest time so please tell me and our listeners why we should be reading this book i think in the world where people are trying to divide and trying to separate this book really brings all the religions of the world together and okay. that's why i like it not just religious texts but also famous authors like shakespeare saying that you can learn from what they have to say right and it also consolidates quotes from say the bible alongside the quran alongside the guru granth mm-hmm. you know so that you can actually see, see okay these are all very similar and i think because um, kushwan singh has a mischievous 
sense of humor uh he holds no bars in bringing in all sorts of different passages and different quotes throughout the book so he talks about love he talks about life he talks about peace um and it sort of makes you realize that it doesn't matter where you come from yeah if you just read this one book you sort of have your own bible okay. right okay. to life Yeah. Okay. Wow. So it brings in all the similarities amongst. Yeah. Uh, so for spiritual people, I think this would be an interesting read. read. Yeah. <laughs> Or non-spiritual. I mean, mm. I'm quite agnostic, but okay. I still really like this book. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and uh, do you prefer reading a physical book, or are you more of a Kindle reader? Reading a physical book any day. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's mostly what I. That's been the common consensus amongst readers who've come <laughs> really? on the podcast so far. Surprising, right? <laughs> Even we were surprised. Happily surprised. Happily surprised, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Shweta Rana, for being with us today and sharing your insights on these books. We look forward to having you on our show again. You can follow Talrang at talrang dot com. And a big thank you to all our listeners. You can follow the Open Library Project on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook for latest updates on our events. And stay tuned for the next paperback podcast on IVM Podcasts. Happy reading! You can follow IVM Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVM Podcasts. Happy listening! Did I just catch you on your way to work? Or did you end up pulling an all-nighter? Let me guess. You have a packed schedule for the day, the week, and probably the month and the year. That's a lot for your mind to handle, don't you think? This buzzing chaos also brings tons of negative thoughts. Am I right? Try spinning that bottle in a positive direction with me, Chetna, on the Positively Unlimited podcast every Monday on IBM Podcasts. It's time to change your life one alphabet at a time. Did you know that Parsis in Mumbai instead of being left at the tower of silence after they die are now cremated and why because a cow fell sick in the early 1990s did you know that the smog in delhi is caused by something that farmers in punjab do and that there's no way to stop them did you know that there wasn't one gas tragedy in bhopal but three one of them was seen but two were unseen did you know that many well intentioned government policies hurt the people they're supposed to help Why was demonetization a bad idea? How should GST have been implemented? Why are all our politicians so corrupt when not all of them are bad people? I'm Amit Verma and in my weekly podcast The Seen and the Unseen, I take a shot at answering all these questions and many more. I aim to go beyond the scene and show you the unseen effects of public policy and private action. I speak to experts on economics, political philosophy, cognitive neuroscience and constitutional law so that the insights can blow not only my mind but also yours. The Seen and the Unseen releases every Monday. So do check out the archives and follow the show at seenunseen.in. You can also subscribe to The Seen and the Unseen on whatever podcast app you happen to prefer.